This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Hello and welcome to Bringing Wellbeing to Life. I'm Dr. Denise Quinlan and today we're talking about gratitude and the ways that it can help us in our daily lives and when we're grieving. My guest today is Dr. Kerry Howells. She's a thought leader, researcher and teacher educator. As a philosopher, Kerry is passionate about deepening the concept of gratitude and translating gratitude research into practices that we can all use. Today, Kerry's going to deepen our understanding of what gratitude is, how it works, and why it's important to make it part of our everyday lives. Then we're going to go on and talk about how gratitude can also help us when we're coping with loss. Kia ora, Kerry. We're delighted to have you with us. Welcome to Bringing Wellbeing to Life. Thank you, Denise. Yes, what a pleasure to be here. Oh, and, and I think we deserve a small medal. This is the, Kerry and I have been um, overcoming numerous obstacles to get together for this conversation. Yes. So I have to say, I am grateful that we finally made it. Me too. So Kerry, this is, gratitude is such a huge topic, but I want us to start small. And can you talk to us about gratitude as an emotion and what we can do to actually um, enable people to feel safe, to be able to feel it, discuss it, think about it. Yeah, it's a really important place to start, I think, to get really clear about what gratitude is and its potential to be envisaged as perhaps something more than what we think it is. So it is good to start with gratitude as an emotion because that's where it normally starts in our hearts where we have a have a positive response to feeling blessed to receive something or awaken to something like beautiful sunrise or the fact the, the generosity of someone and so it's really important that we connect with what we're grateful for with that that heart response and so to to it, it's not necessarily something that comes naturally i think it's something we do need to be conscious of developing because there's a lot especially in these complex times that takes away from our capacity to be grateful so that's why there's a lot of interventions where it, where we're kind of trying to develop it because it isn't our necessarily our natural response to life. When times are really good, it is a natural response, but when it's challenging, it's not necessarily, we don't go there, we go to other spaces. So to create situations where we would naturally be more grateful, I think the first thing is to take away states that are, counterproductive to gratitude for example states of entitlement um, taking things for granted uh, narcissism which is an extreme thing and resentment so we need to be aware of that capacity in ourselves because when we have that it's the antithesis of being able to feel grateful and then we create states that are more conducive to gratitude for example um or mystery and wonder and a sense of the blessedness of things or the giftedness of things or surprise. So so there's kind of a cultivation, a conscious cultivation, so that we have more of a chance to experience gratitude, I think. And do you think, you know, um, that sometimes if we can, oh, it's, you know, it's kind of whether we're being pulled or pushed, I don't know. But, you know, there are some days where I think if I can feel grateful, it will stop me feeling resentful. 
or entitled. Um, And so do they each open doors for the, uh, you know? Yeah, I think that they're, especially gratitude and resentment because they're opposite states. And so the way to cultivate a culture in a school, for example, which where resentment doesn't live is to cultivate a culture where gratitude lives. But at the same time, it's not about replacing grateful thoughts and uh, resentful thoughts with grateful thoughts because often we're resentful about situations that need our attention. Then we don't just accept the status quo and go, oh, let's just be grateful. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we need to actually listen to that, what that resentment's saying about what needs to change and making those changes and being in a grateful state about other things can help us address the resentment. Mm, I think so. Like I know, I I I thought about this some years ago for um, strengths and thinking about. Um, I was working with Chris Peterson's list of strengths and their opposites and absences, and I was thinking about kindness and and resentment. And he didn't he didn't say resentment was the opposite, but that was what I find myself experiencing. And what I found was that if I could notice when I was feeling really resentful, I could think, this isn't where I want to be. So yeah. what's going on for me that's given rise to all this resentment? And how do I address it so that I can start to move in the direction of feeling like a slightly kinder, more grateful person? Yes, yes. I think that's really important, especially with resentment, because resentment is by its nature hidden. Yeah. So the more conscious we can become of our state Mm -hmm. and going, oh, okay, this is what you call resentment because it's something that stays lodged in us. It's often accompanied by a shock, uh, a sense of disappointment, envy, et cetera, anger that grows and festers because it's stuck. It can't be resent. Um, And and the lack of gratitude, like where it's really difficult to practice gratitude, that can often be a really strong sign that underlying that inability is resentment. But it's kind of something that stays hidden because it's really hard for us to admit to ourselves that we should we could hold on to that feeling for so long. Like there's all these problems in the world and surely I'm a grateful person. How could I feel that continuously? How could it how could I let this small thing, seemingly small thing, keep me awake at night? You know, we talk about the benefits of gratitude, the the psychological benefits of gratitude, including that it helps undercut entitlement. Um, but I guess flipping it the other way, if you were working with, say, a student body that you felt was very entitled, what are some of the um, interventions or questions we can ask to help move them? Well, I guess raise awareness and move them away from entitlement and towards a deeper sense of appreciation and gratitude. Yeah, I really love that question because I get asked often to go into schools or into university situations and people say, oh, can you just come and sort out our entitled students because we can't teach them. They're, They're just complaining. And I have to say, no, I'm not going to go and work with them students I'm going to start I can only start with the leaders and then after after working with the leaders for a whole term where they're practicing gratitude where they're understanding their influence of their innermost attitude which is how I frame gratitude and they can see the impact but also the challenges Mm -hmm. of of it's not that easy it's not straightforward 
and also see their own sense of entitlement as mirrored in their students. And then once they start changing, then we work with teachers. And when those two bodies of people, and often parents, if there's another, if there's a strong parent body, if we've got the upstream um, practicing gratitude, often there's no need to come and work with the students because the culture has changed. I hear you. And I think we can all feel entitled and ungrateful at times. So it's helpful to have a look at our own attitude first. And, and that's why we, if we see some, anybody who has a sense of entitlement, the first place to look is ourselves. Like, oh, what's the corner of my life where I'm having, taking things for granted or taking this particular person for granted? And, I mean, I've got, a, I've got a daughter who shows up my lack of gratitude quite a lot. And I think, oh, okay, well, that's, that's an area that I haven't really looked at. And there's always areas but I think what gets in the way, Denise, is our sense of perfectionism too. And it's a really big inhibitor to gratitude because... Say more about that. Yeah, because a, a lot of people feel that if I can't do gratitude perfectly, I'm not doing it well. They misinterpret gratitude to be something that we need to feel all the time, that it's, you know, that it's about if we can't be grateful, then we may as well give up. And... Also, we judge ourselves for not being grateful in certain situations. And so it kind of, this layer of perfection seems to really creep in and actually take us away from gratitude because we, we kind of can't accept, we've got to be grateful for all our flaws and our mistakes. Like people say to me, my, my teacher education students, like they say, what's your philosophy of teaching? And I say, oh, to make lots of mistakes along the way. <laughs> So if we can be grateful, the, the moment we start being grateful for our mistakes, we start to open our mind and our consciousness to what the learning is and we can actually take it in. But the moment we start going, oh, no, I made a mistake and I wasn't grateful or I was not the ideal person, we shut down that capacity to be inspired. I love this, Carrie, because, you know, we find uh, wherever we go looking at well-being, perfectionism pops up as this pernicious weed that really gets in the way of so many good things that we want in our lives, really does. And um, I love that. Yeah, if I can't do gratitude perfectly well, throw it in the bin, I'm giving up, you know? Yes. Um, and it's interesting because there's, there's that sort of perfectionism and then there's another issue that I see which is kind of... Um, the ticking the box diligence. Well, I'm doing gratitude. I say please and thank you, and I make a list. And and I think that's another risk that people go through the motions. I've made. I've I've got. I do my three things I'm grateful for every night. Yeah. And I I write them down with my surliest face on. Chuck my book to one side and go sleep. And I yeah. think this, <laughs> this isn't connecting to. You know the benefits come from feeling it in your heart. And it's got to not just be on the paper, but also in your heart, doesn't it? It does. And that's a starting point. Yeah. That's a starting point for gratitude. But gratitude's not complete if it's only in your heart. Yeah. It's, it's an important place to come from. 
But I have this notion of deep gratitude, which is where you express your gratitude in some way. So it starts out with just, for example, a teacher in a school might be really grateful for the, the capacity to teach in a particular school with really nice principal. And then that's the starting point of their gratitude. But the transformative work of gratitude and the true gratitude for me is when that teacher then expresses the gratitude in some way, not necessarily in a reciprocated way, so they don't go and be go and clean the school because they're grateful for the school, but they might practice gratitude by greeting the students every morning in a, with true gratitude in their heart, mm. or you know just finding some way of giving back. So I I don't believe it has it doesn't have its truly transformative role or potential unless it becomes an action. If we were to define it and and say you talked about where it comes from and what it feels like and there was awe wonder mystery surprise more about how you define it okay so I think that there's I believe there's three very distinct elements about gratitude which make it distinct from praise or positive acknowledgement or feeling positive Mm -hmm. so first of all we need to acknowledge that it's not equal to being positive because then a lot of people will feel like um, it's I've got to be in a positive mood to be able to be grateful. So with, there's three elements of gratitude, which is giver, receiver, and gift. And that's what makes gratitude different from those other constructs like optimism or positivity or positive regard or praise, because it's a two-way process. It's I have received something from someone or something or the universe and and then how am I going to give back as as a response of that in a way that's not reciprocal? So briefly defined, gratitude is the art or the act of acknowledging what I have received and giving back in an action of some kind in a way that's not in a way that's not necessarily reciprocal. And the non-reciprocal aspect of it is really important because we live in a, in a, mostly in a culture of exchange. So we can put gratitude into this kind of opposite exchange, opposite of exchange paradigm is a gift paradigm. And it presents a real opportunity for us in society to actually move away from a tit for tat type thing into, I'm just going to give back for the sake of giving back. Yeah, that shifts the focus to thinking about the gift. And I can imagine that people who are grieving can think of the gifts they have received from those around them, as well as the person they've lost. And that it's okay to not be able to give back exactly in the moment, but to be aware of what we're receiving and how that feels. It's about self-change and about living in a more connected way, living in a a way of more integrity living in a in a way that is helping our own resilience and our own well-being rather than seeing how we're doing is going to change somebody else. So we don't look for the mark of our success and how another person changes. And we'll ne- cause, because we'll never know. So coming on to our second theme around gratitude, that it's a, I love when you say it's a verb, it's an action, it's not just an emotion. So Talk to us about why that really matters to you and about what we can do to embed gratitude in our lives. Well, it, it really matters because I, part of, part of my, um, the, the contentious area of my work 
is that I think gratitude is highly linked to, closely linked to indebtedness. And that's, mm. that's contentious because a lot of researchers, especially in positive psychology, want to separate the two. They, there's a lot of papers now about there's gratitude over here and there's indebtedness over here. And you don't need to feel indebted in order to be grateful. I'm saying let's celebrate our indebtedness. Let's celebrate our indebtedness to the environment, to our, to our fellow human being, to the doctors who are on the coalface of COVID, to um, the people who are stacking shelves. Let, let us express our gratitude as a mark of our indebtedness for the fact that we live, both people that are close to us and people who aren't. And so I think that gratitude celebrates our indebtedness and it celebrates our interdependence in, in a way that no, nothing else can. Mm. And therefore it's a highly, because it's about giver and receiver and gift, it's highly relational. So uh, if it's only kept inside ourselves, it's not gratitude because gratitude is, is about giving back. So it is, it's constantly an interplay in terms of an action that strengthens the relationship. So George Simmel, the wonderful sociologist, said that gratitude is the moral memory of humankind, and it's the thing that keeps it. Thing, it's it, 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 it's the thing that gives humankind um, cohesion, moral cohesion, and and I really believe that because in communities, in societies where there is no gratitude, in families, in schools where it's eaten up by resentment or a sense of entitlement, then we know that we know that there's no co- there's no kind of cohesion that keeps people together in so many areas we're encouraged to believe that our independence our freedom and our independence is the thing to wave the flag about rather than our belonging and our being looked after and taken care of by supermarket workers by healthcare workers by bus drivers Yes. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a very strong tradition in the Western world that's built on this sense of the glorified individual. And Aristotle said that gratitude is to be seen as a weakness because it means that we're dependent on another human being. And when you think about Western thought that's been built upon these, these, um, these philosophers that wanted to, wanted to glorify the individual and the individual mind, um, it was so it was so misplaced, and we've got. I some- love it. Okay, you heard it here. We're saying Aristotle had some misplaced ideas. <laughs> yes, yes, I love it. And and yeah. the, indi- the indigenous societies are restoring this for us. You would know that in New Zealand, particularly, like the way they live, the sense of interdependence, the sharing. If you are uncomfortable with the idea of indebtedness, with the idea of being grateful to somebody for the gift you have received, then it's probably harder to get over yourself and get on to um, reciprocating in 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 some in the wider sense in passing on. Yes, um, I think that's a really good point, Denise. Because and it, it, it's very very crucial because we talk we come back to this idea of giver and receiver. So the receiver, when, when, some, when somebody is expressing gratitude to us, it's really important that we receive it well. And my research is showing that it's much easier for people to express gratitude than it is to receive it. And I'll just take you to my sporting example, my Olympic sporting example, my foray 
into into sport given that I, I I've never watched it before and my friends think it's just hilarious that I've actually been doing work with the Australian Olympians yeah, yeah it's, it's just hilarious but that um for example when we when I talked with these young Olympians this was a really big stumbling block with them expressing gratitude to their coaches so post Rio it was only like a couple of weeks after Rio that they were just filled with wanting to give gratitude for all the people that got them to the Rio. But the coaches in, in turn were kind of shutting down around it and going, I don't need to be thanked or you're just sucking up to me because you want to be selected for the next game or whatever. And that shut them down. So there is an art to this, isn't there? There's an I art. I love that. What you're describing is that the athletes were brimming over with this genuine emotion yes but there was nowhere for them to express it nowhere for them to express it so we can often kind of shy away from people expressing gratitude and then that stops the cycle of gratitude going well because if it's not received well if we if because people often take a lot of courage to express gratitude especially in that power imbalance which coach athlete often has or parent uh, teacher student often has for a student to go and thank a teacher can take quite a lot and to know how to do that well is really hard. And then for that to be shut down, that really impacts on that person being able to do it again. And so you see gratitude shrinking when it, when it needs to be expanding. So what's your advice to anyone wanting to be able to receive gratitude from other people? I think just growing the awareness. And I, my, my, my um, rule of thumb is to find someone who does it really well. And and often I will just ask, we'll just do an exercise where we think about people that we know who express gratitude really well and, and break that down and to, to copy that, like to find qualities in another person that we really love and to model that in our own way is a really great way to grow our character, isn't it? And do you do the same then? Who, who do you know who models receiving gratitude? Yes, yes. And not many people do. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's an area that we really need to change in ourselves, really. Mm, I know. I, find I get really uncomfortable and I realise I try and brush it off and that diminishes the gratitude and I'm trying not to do that. Yeah, yeah I think just to feel comfortable with the awkwardness. Yeah. Like gratitude, the good thing about distinguishing gratitude from feeling positive is that there's a lot of awkwardness around it. There's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of thought that needs to go into it. There's a lot of uh, overcoming, you know, the time element of, and, and will this be received. Mm. There's a lot of escaping it um, so that because it is so awkward. Um, and to know that that's part of gratitude is that it, it is, it's so satisfying, but it's not necessarily something that's really easy for some people. You've talked about how resentment is the opposite of gratitude and that we can all experience both. Talk to us about how we can actually use that understanding. The powerful thing about having gratitude and resentment on that kind of compass is that we've got something to work with. We're either, we're either in gratitude or in resentment, and that's really powerful. I think it's so helpful because when I find myself feeling resentful, it's like, ooh, it's not where I want to be. I, and I'm immediately, I do see it as a compass in my head of I'm trying to get somewhere that feels quite far away at the moment, but the first thing I have to do is actually acknowledge where I am and what's yes. going on. 
Yes, yes. And and to never feel like uh, it's about covering any of that up. Like gratitude is never, I just have to emphasise that. It's not about covering up the status quo that we really need to do our work on. But if we build our gratitude in another area of our lives, for example, and this is where the self-gratitude comes in, if we build our gratitude in, you know, um, the friends we have or falling back on the things we can feel grateful for and really making that, concentrating on that, then we're able to build our resilience over here and then that gives us the strength and the research is showing that too because it gives us this protective power to go through the adversity like grief and other mm. um, things that we're going through. So we don't go into the eye of the storm and try and be grateful to that thing. We actually build our gratitude where we can build it and build a, build a strong fortitude inside us so that we can go through the difficult time. I love this. So, so Kerry, this is bringing us on to think about um, grieving. And I think this is, it's so interesting because people often don't think about gratitude as, as a particularly useful um, emotion or practice when we're grieving, but, but we know that it is. So um, it's, it's kind of the less likely place, but talk to us about um, how helpful it is and how we can use gratitude to find um, solace mm. and comfort and help in moving forward after a significant loss. Yes, it, 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 it looks like it's seemingly inappropriate to go to gratitude. And I think there's something that we need to honour in that because it is cultural like it, it's a cultural grieving is not only what we do inside ourselves, but we've grown up knowing, learning how to grieve by how we see other people grieve. And we need to respect that. Um, but I think we need to take gratitude out of the dimension of feelings and put it more in an action and put it more, like I was saying before, mm-hmm. put it into more an inner attitude or a, an outlook that we have. Yeah. And <clears throat> sorry, to to then know that we can actually have the feeling of grief at the same time as having an inner attitude of gratitude. So we're not not trying to cover that feeling of grief with a feeling of gratitude because that's, again, it'd be like covering resentment with gratitude. So we're we're not, it's not a tit for tat, it's not replacing one with the other, it's respectfully accepting that grief is there but to go through the grief more easily and more ably so it doesn't it doesn't write us off and it doesn't kind of eat away at our soul it, there, there has to come a point where we need to be able to step out of it because there's lots of people around us who need us especially when they're grieving gratitude can really help so we once again look at where we're grateful for outside of the area where we're grieving and build that up bit by bit just finding a little light and But I think there's a really important thing culturally of allowing ourselves to be both, to allow ourselves to have both gratitude and grieving like, and to allow other people. So when I've got a really lovely friend, Sue, who's dying of brain cancer at the moment, and, um, and I'm just being so educated by her because she, she worked with a, a group of people from Vietnam and... Um, and they sent her this card 
with and they didn't say all the things they were grieving about. They said all the things that they were really grateful for, for in her. And she's asked me to read that card a number of times when I've gone over to see her because she loves hearing. She doesn't want to hear what we, they're We're sad, we'll miss you, yeah. She doesn't want to hear that. She wants to hear what we're grateful for. So it's helpful to think about how the other person would like us to be. And even if it's a slow death, to be asking them, is it okay if I carry through this feeling of the life that we've had and the celebration of that life? And, and of course, I'll always feel the loss, but I can also feel the, 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 the lovely... Gratitude for what gratitude. we've had. Yeah, gratitude yeah. for what we've had. And that way we're honouring the other person. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's also a real... Comp- just one more thing. There's a complexity here, isn't there? Because... The more we grieve the person, the harder, the, the more we were grateful for the person, the more grief we'll have because we, we so love them and we're so grateful that to lose them, we're grieving. So, you know, there's, a, there's always a paradox with gratitude. And I'm, I'm just curious. I mean, I think I, think I see cultural shift, um, you know, I remember as a child going to funerals in Ireland where it was pure grief. And in the Irish tradition, you had keeners who were professional women who came to funerals and wailed. And keena mean, is the Irish for cry. And I was at my grandmother's funeral down in, in Cork and there were people wailing. And it is, um, it, it cuts right through you. It's incredible. Um, and in my lifetime, we've moved from that kind of tradition to, um, you know, wow, no one ever saw this coming. It's almost open mic in a Catholic church where yeah. people get to, to stand up and talk about um, celebrating the life of the person. Yeah. And that word is, is being used a lot now in funerals, talk about a celebration of the life of. Yes, I think so. Yes, and and to live the life that you you have got that that person doesn't have. Mm-hmm. So to live a life of gratitude for that for the life that you now have, but also live a life with the lessons that that person's taught you. Because yeah. I I have another friend who um who who died again of a brain cancer, and I remember on her last days, she said she took a lot of a lot from her to say, Kerry, life is sweet. And I, and I go for walks where we used to walk sometimes and I remember her and I go, oh, yeah, that's right, life is sweet. And I need to, to honour my friend, Lynn, who died, who took, gave me, that was like wisdom. When people are dying, they're so, they've got so much profound wisdom. And sure. so gratitude allows us to take that wisdom and to live that, like, the ultimate act of gratitude is to live the wisdom they have given us in our, from that moment forward. And a lot of the time that wisdom would be don't waste a moment. Like don't, even though it's natural and understandable, it might spend years in grief. Mm-hmm. If that's stopping us from accessing the day, the beautiful day that we have that they no longer have, then we've got to do some work on ourselves to get a bit more, a bit more of a balance. But when the time's right... Yeah, but I think there is so much that that um, as human beings we live um, we, we live so many different moments. Life is made up of moments, and very few days are unalloyed grief or gratitude or joy or anything else. And there's room in a day for 
grief and laughter and gratitude and anything else we can yes and yeah, I yeah, think we have multifarious <laughs> and the idea that um of positive reappraisal or benefit finding that that's a kind of um a, a door opener to get to gratitude isn't it it's saying it like, i know people who've said um who've lost um, a family member uh, tragically and have said we're very grateful that they didn't suffer that it was quick you know there's all of that we're very grateful that that my mother had passed away beforehand and didn't get to see this and it's finding the small silver linings isn't it Yes, yes, and really allowing that person to have that moment mm. because then that can become, sometimes people can judge them for that, going, oh, you're just trying to be grateful or, you know, surely you can't be thinking like that now because you should be in mourning and yes. gratitude comes with no judgment. And so I think allowing people the capacity to hold gratitude and grief, but really allowing that. And some people ask me, you know, what, what can we do to help people bring other people into gratitude when they are grieving? And I think it's always an invitation, but only by invitation from them. I don't think we have the right to tell a grieving person, oh, you should be grateful. And, and, but at the same time, I think our, we, we don't need to meet that grief with our own grief necessarily, because sometimes they need, some bright light they need someone sitting over in that corner who's smiling who's you know who's they you feel like they're they, they can feel our empathy but we don't have to actually reduce our our feeling state to their feeling state for them to feel met by us do we we, need, we can actually be grateful and be influencing them as a light over in the corner that they can go to and rely on and lean into because they can't reach that state themselves. Mm, I love that idea that I could be, that my gratitude could be the light that kind of opens the door for them without compulsory gratitude when they're not ready for it. It's not worse than anyone trying to make us feel something we're not feeling, is there? Exactly. It's very sickening. <laughs> and I love, I think the words that I'm taking away are, you know, the invitation, the the um the giver the gift the giver the receiver the gift and and how we can um pass things on and it doesn't have to be reciprocal these are all so important what's your strategy what's your mental health and well-being strategy to take care of yourself oh that's challenging really, times? That, that's that's really really lovely question um well my my strategy is to really connect with nature and to let nature teach me and and to stand in awe and respect of nature and i go for a walk nearly every day somewhere um, i've got beautiful bush around me and a tree can teach me and um, you know just in absolute gratitude for nature Carrie, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a complete delight to talk with you. Um, and on behalf of all our listeners, thank you. It's a pleasure, Denise. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. You've been listening to Bringing Wellbeing to Life on ORFM Dunedin. You can listen to a podcast of this show on oar.org.nz or on nziwr.co.nz 
or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Dr. Denise Quinlan. Thank you for listening. This program has been brought to you by the New Zealand Institute of Wellbeing and Resilience. To purchase books or online programs on coping with loss and resilient grieving, go to nziwr.co.nz. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.